Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Today in Science from Wired. NASA is preparing for ravages of climate change. The agency knows it needs to adapt to climate-driven events that will increasingly threaten coastal launch sites and other key space infrastructure by Ramin Skiba. When Hurricane Ida made landfall in August, it buffeted NASA's Michoud Assembly Facility in New Orleans with rain and strong winds and shut down power in the area, forcing the site to run on generators. No one was injured, and no parts of the Space Launch System rockets, which are manufactured there and are planned for later moon missions, were affected, but more climate-intensified storms will surely come. While NASA scientists are naturally focused on space, everything they do begins on Earth. As long as climate change continues, everyone has to prepare for worst-case scenarios. Following a directive from the Biden administration, earlier this month, NASA and other federal agencies released climate action plans. They're mostly centered on adapting to a future in which some climate changes can't be avoided. Our goal has been to drill down to all the different threats that any individual location might be facing, says NASA senior climate advisor Gavin Schmidt, who contributed to the report. We're one of the agencies that isn't just a victim of climate change, but we're at the forefront of understanding climate change and bringing science to the table to help us make better decisions. NASA and other parts of the federal government sought to develop climate plans during the Obama administration, and they're now reviving those efforts. NASA officials initially made adaptation assessments in 2011, which were updated in 2015, and they're now being updated again. The agency's newly released report highlights five areas of focus, including planning for climate risks as new missions move forward, adapting infrastructure as much as possible, and ensuring access to space, which could be disrupted if, say, a flooded road delayed the delivery of rocket fuel to the launch pad. With some two-thirds of NASA's assets within 16 feet of sea level, including Kennedy Space Center in Florida and Johnson Space Center in Houston, hurricanes, flood risks, and rising seas are giving the agency much to worry about. If we look globally and domestically, we have put very valuable assets, including runways and launch pads, in the coastal zone. 
I think NASA stepping forward with the precision of an engineering-oriented agency is very exciting to see, says Catherine Mock, a climate scientist at the University of Miami, who's unaffiliated with NASA and who served as lead author of the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's latest assessment report. NASA's action plan describes the cost of recent extreme weather events, likely worsened by climate change, that come with big bills for repair. Michoud Assembly Facility alone racked up nearly $400 million in costs following two hurricanes and a tornado. Recent hurricanes and flooding damaged other infrastructure too, with multiple sites on the Gulf and East Coasts each suffering more than $100 million worth of damage. In Southern California, the 2009 station fire burned to within a meter of the perimeter of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which had to be closed. As an inland site, JPL could eventually have other climate problems to contend with as well, including droughts and heat waves. While NASA would only move buildings or launch complexes as a very expensive last resort, the agency is working more on structural hardening, making buildings better able to withstand extreme weather or a loss of electricity so that they can temporarily operate off the grid. It can mean raising the elevation, adding pumping capacity, and putting up barriers. It can be about creating islands. It can be about creating autonomous infrastructure systems like self-sufficient energy generation, as well as redundancies, says Jesse Keenan, a social scientist at Tulane University with expertise on climate change adaptation and the built environment. Keenan is unaffiliated with NASA's report. NASA's ongoing efforts also include building up off-coast dunes to act as buffers against incoming storms and stabilizing shorelines to protect against massive waves and storm surges that can accelerate erosion around coastal infrastructure. According to the climate plan, any new infrastructure has to be sited above a 500-year floodplain, so those buildings won't need such fortification for a long while. NASA also aims to develop redundancies when possible so that a critical mission doesn't depend on a piece of equipment housed at a single vulnerable facility, for example. Part of NASA's plan involves working toward reducing carbon emissions, not just adapting to a world with more dangerous weather. Specifically, one piece of the plan focuses on green aviation, or making airplane flights more sustainable by designing more efficient engines, batteries, and fuels, such as a blend of biofuels with traditional but highly polluting jet fuel. NASA is also researching and investing in electrified aircraft propulsion systems that don't need to rely on liquid fuel. Some people forget that the first A in NASA is aeronautics, Schmidt says. While such research is important, airplane flights aren't the biggest part of the United States' carbon budget. Airline travel gets outsized attention in these conversations given its very modest, roughly 2% contribution to total carbon emissions, writes Michael Mann, a climate scientist at Penn State and author of The New Climate War. In an email to Wired, he supports these efforts but recommends that the government focus more on cutting carbon emissions from energy production and ground transportation. The most important action that NASA can continue to take is to educate our public and policymakers on the gravity of the climate crisis and the urgency of transitioning away from fossil fuels towards clean energy, man writes. Indeed, education is also a component of the plan. NASA's past educational efforts have often been directed towards scientists and the general public. But now the agency will also have an audience of decision-makers as it rolls out a variety of trainings, so that NASA's senior managers and others in the federal government can make better, climate-informed decisions about missions and budgets, Schmidt says. 
To announce these and other new climate initiatives and to signal their high priority, NASA Administrator Bill Nelson was scheduled to visit several agency facilities last week. At NASA Ames Research Center in Mountain View, California, Nelson described the agency's work on drones and communication systems designed for quickly responding to wildfires, and researchers demonstrated a new technology for airports that would cut taxi delays and congestion on runways, reducing carbon emissions. Nelson will tour NASA Armstrong Flight Research Center north of Los Angeles, which hosts the experimental all-electric X-57 aircraft. Then, Nelson will head to JPL to give more details about a proposal to develop what he called a Climate Resilience Design Center during an October 6th speech at a virtual event co-organized by NASA and the Federal Emergency Management Agency. This initiative would create a mission control center that would provide engineering expertise to state, local, tribal, and territorial governments as they adapt infrastructure to a changing climate. In all these initiatives, NASA will be relying on data from its fleet of Earth-observing satellites that track climate-driven storms, crumbling coastlines, dwindling water supplies, melting ice sheets, spreading wildfires, carbon emissions, and more. The agency's many eyes in the sky not only scan the cosmos, but look back at our own world, too. I think something inspiring about the NASA plan is that, in a way, traveling to space and remote sensing with satellites circling the planet are all about perspective on Earth. I think there's something to be said about bringing these two together, Mock says. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.